Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Offset, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers. Welcome back into the show, Keith, our second uh, show of uh, training camp preview. Yeah, so this time we're, we're taking a look at the defense and our um, our five storylines that we're most excited about, most um, interested in, ones we're going to be watching really closely. And um, yeah, def- the defense this year, I think, is really interesting, in part, yeah because of my first storyline, which is what does the new scheme look like? We don't even fully know. We have an idea based on the coaches that we are hired, but we've also had them come out and say, well, yeah, but it's still Pete Carroll and he's a four, three guy. So it's not going to be entirely just a three, four. Uh, It sounds like they're going to be very multi uh, front and very hybrid. And what exactly that means is something we haven't seen yet so we will we'll find out um, what this new scheme looks like i think interestingly enough you combined um all of those categories into into three of my (laughs) storylines that i'm going to be watching so i think we'll talk about all three here but one of my storylines is is our new defensive coaching staff an upgrade over last year and i think you know we're going to get an answer really quick the answer is going to be yes because it <laughs> when you're when you're at the bottom you can't really go down yeah so and we were at the bottom um in in quite a few different categories last year i mean we were um you know most of those had to do with pressure percentages and so forth we were 26th and early down pressure percentages we ranked 27th in pressure rate 24th in sacks on third down um we uh often and we talked about this numerous times about how ken norton jr uh, and staff just didn't put players in a position to be successful and i think part of that if you really look at this and, and one of the one of the categories that i had here is um what can we expect from our new three four front and one of the reasons i think that we were kind of wonkish not wonkish but a little out of sorts last year was that we had four three personnel kind of trying to be in a three, four scheme. And so we had some quote unquote linebackers that really weren't linebackers that were more edge rushers or, or Leo's or, you know, base defensive ends like Benson Mayoa and Carlos Dunlap dropping back into coverage too much. And they just weren't good at it. And, and it left us vulnerable in our secondary. And so our secondary was bad. Conversely, we couldn't get any real pass rush. Um, we couldn't get any pressure. And so the whole thing just didn't work. You had the def- deficits on the back end, deficits on the front end, and our off and our defense was mediocre as a result. So Pete Carroll threw all that out the window and decided to revamp the whole thing. Actually, one of the best moves I think he's made in 10 years, 11 years, um, it, because it took a lot of guts, I think, for a 70-year-old uh, uh, coach, defensive-minded coach to throw out everything that he knew that he had brought in, that he had depended upon to make them competitive in the NFL and started over really from scratch. 
um, and um, kind of handed the whole thing to some young guys, some young up-and-coming talent in this league. Clint Hurt, I think, is going to be a really decent defensive um, play caller in this in this defense. Um, and they and he brought in some assistants that I'm I'm just excited for. Carl Scott and Sean Desai, um, Vic, Vic Fangio, kind of disciples, all three of them, and so. This defense has me excited, and we and and we went out and we got some guys in free agency, and we drafted some guys specifically to operate within this scheme. And some of the, uh, there's going to be lack of experience on some of these guys, some uh, you know in the in the in the uh, cornerback room specifically, but also rushing the passer. We're depending upon uh, some guys that we haven't that haven't been on the team, like Uchenna Nuasu. I think is is primed to have a really really great year here um guys that we cool. brought in like quentin jefferson uh that are back for their second run in seattle um i think are, are are really have me excited about the the front seven of this defense now because we we have some guys that actually really can affect the the, the passer um and it'll be interesting to see how it just all comes together yeah um also you know rookies like boy mafe and how is he going to be used because he mm. is you know, a guy that was drafted as a pass rusher, but is going to be a, a three, four outside linebacker. So how yeah. do they, how do they prevent, how do the, these new minds prevent what happened last year where you had Carlos Dunlap, who's an elite pass rusher dropping back into coverage where he's terrible. Um, you know, how do they do that with that same idea, but with Boye Mafe and can yes. they, can they use his skill set properly? Uh, in the best way, so that way they're getting the most out of him being on the field. Well, the nice thing about Boye Mafe is he does have experience playing outside linebacker. He does have experience but, with a two point stance, you know, and and drop and then dropping back and, and going forward as well. So he's just better <laughs> at it than Ben Samoa and Carlos Dunlap were. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it's a, it's just a scheme fit, you know. That's all that's all that is. But he's young, you know. This is a guy that's basically going to rely on his motor this year without while he's learning how to be an nfl player learning the nuances of offenses and his own defense and so it'll be interesting to see how that comes along i would expect a guy like boy Mafe has a much better second half of the season than he does in the first half but who knows when you get guys like this with all this potential and and athletic prowess they can have a real effect early on as well if, if they just get turned loose so we'll see what happens yeah. my biggest storyline uh, on my list was the cornerback competition. And the reason that I put the cornerback competition, because it really is a competition. It really is one of the larger competitions on this roster. We talked about wide receivers when we did the offensive uh, side of the ball in, in that show. Same thing with the cornerback room. You've got guys like Sidney Jones and Trey Brown and Artie Burns and Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen all competing essentially for two starting roles. Uh, for the outside corner spots on this team. Now, you could say that Tariq Woolen's probably, you know, stepped down uh, from those other guys, but we just don't know for sure yet. Maybe he comes in and just wows them and they can't keep him off the field. He's so the I'm most saying, athletic, most athletic of, of the group by yeah, yes. wide margin. Yeah. So right now he's on my list until he's he's knocked out. But, you know, you want to be able to hand uh, one of these starting jobs to Sidney Jones. But right now it's so wide open. I think the team really does want to see what they've got. Does Trey Brown come in right away and, and um, 
uh, come back from that injury or, or is he going to start the year on the pup list and give the other guys an opportunity to come in? Kobe Bryant, everyone's talking about Kobe Bryant being one of the most competent, uh, corners already in this, uh, competition. And he hasn't even played it down yet, but he just comes in with that knowledge base and quiet confidence that, that you have as a corner at the collegiate level, at the highest level that he was at. And and that's why they drafted him right away. That's why they drafted him is because they knew, I mean, he doesn't have the upside of other corners in this draft, even nowhere near the upside of Tariq Woolen. But he was a guy that was viewed across the league as a guy who could come in and start right now and be good. Um, not great, but be good and start right now. Like there's not that developmental lag that you normally get with college players coming into the NFL. There it's the general consensus across the league was that Bryant was ready now. Um, and so with him and Jones, uh, I think you've got your starters, but Artie Burns wants something to say about that. If Trey Brown or Trey, um, um, Trey Brown, is it Trey Brown? Yeah. Like that does sound right. But yeah, yeah, they the, had the um, Patella last year. Yeah. Um, if he's healthy, he's going to want to say something about, um, you know, that's that group of starters. And yes, of course. Um, and so, and you've got, so you've got a, you've got a room that's deep, but it's not, there's no established like number one. There's, there's no Richard Sherman on this roster. There's no, you know, guy that's, that's, um, that's established as, hey, this is the elite corner in the, in the, in the group. You've got, a deep but not high-end talent um, yes. across the board. Um, the only person with the potential to truly become that high-end talent is Tariq Woolen, but he's got the farthest to go. Yes, he's yeah, got the, that's the, exactly right. He's got the lowest floor. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting competition. Like you mentioned, comparing it to the wide receivers, but we know who the starting two wide receivers are, right? It doesn't get interesting in the wide receiver room until the third person. Yes. Uh, in the cornerback battle, that number one spot is up for grabs. Yeah. Well, and we haven't even talked about nickel. You know, you go to yeah. Mahdi and Justin Coleman uh, is coming back onto the roster. And, they signed him Trey, to, a, to a deal. And if Trey Brown's healthy, he fits into that um, that competition as well. He could very well. You know, maybe, yeah. I mean, they really started him outside last year just by necessity. Um, mm-hmm. Sidney Jones hadn't come along yet. Now he's there. Maybe Trey Brown slides inside. You know, maybe that gives him the best option, and you keep Ugo Amadi as a true um, safety in a too high safety situation. Amadi becomes maybe a better safety mm-hmm. um, option for the team. So it'd be very interesting how that shakes out. Well, you kind of hinted on my next um, uh, storyline, and that when you start talking about the safeties, how are they going to use Jamal Adams? Um, that's my next one because. If they're going to put him in the back as a too high safety look like they did at the start of last year, that's wasting his skill set and putting him in a position where his skills doesn't line up. He's an in the box guy who's physical. He hits people who come across the middle. He blitzes. Um, that that's what he does best. That's who he is um, and where he can make the biggest impact. You put him as a deep uh, free safety and his coverage skills just aren't that good yeah. and he's going to get beat. I did hear Clint hurt say that uh, Jamal Adams actually is, has greatly improved his coverage skills uh, from the beginning of last year uh, to where he got hurt. 
Um, so we'll see how they view him. I know for a fact they want to have their um, their free safeties interchangeable. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. necessarily means Jamal Adams. It, it, it kind of by default does in a sense that he's going to be out there like, you know, if he's healthy, 100% of the plays. And um, so when he's on the field and the, and the scheme is demanding that he's dropping back into coverage, he's going to be the guy. This was number five on my list. Uh, can Jamal Adams have a rebound season and can the coaches finally impact the game and optimize his usage was my, was my headline. And I, I think so. I think Clint Hurd has a much better handle on this than, um, than the other scheme. And mm-hmm. Carl Scott, along with Sean Desai, are just experts in the field as far as defensive backs. And you, you still have Pete Carroll overall as well. So, and, and Jamal Adams is a, is a special, unique player when healthy. Um, my big concern with Jamal is he's had two surgeries now. He's had his fingers are just mangled. Um, does this guy continue to go play instinctively or is he making more business decisions than ever um, which will impact his effectiveness on the field so and and the question also within a three four front is will they blitz their box safety um, a, a lot in this game I think they will I think that you're gonna see him have four or five sacks and maybe not nine or ten like he uh, had a couple of years ago but I think that they are going to be able to use him effectively in um, disguises and coming up and rushing the passer as well. So I, I'm looking, uh, my, my third uh, storyline out of this whole group is, do we have enough pass rushers on the team? You know, and, and talking about the pass rush in general, um, what can we expect from our three, four front? And we talked about, you know, the scheme with Ben Simeoa and, Carlos Dunlap, those guys are gone. They were replaced by Uchenna Nuasu and Boy Mafe, essentially. And then you've still got Daryl Taylor um, and Alton Robinson. And mm-hmm. then you've added Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson. I, this team has gotten better, um, quite a bit better, actually, yeah. to a fairly decent run-stopping team last year. I think they were top seven or you know six at stopping the run effectively last year. Just getting to the pass rusher was was the issue, and I think they really greatly improved without sacrificing stopping the run. Now, um, you take yeah. a look at Shelby Harris; he's very effective at that. Quentin Jefferson is really effective, but Quentin Jefferson's going to give you thirty quarterback pressures, you know, on the season, maybe even forty. Um, and so, and then Puna Ford and Al Woods round out that that the ability to stop the run. But my my big key is Yuchena um, Nuasu um coming over from the chargers and free agency and boy mafe um their their draft pick and if, and alton robinson and taylor um are going to be our pass rushers this year can they be effective i you know i'm counting on it really mm-hmm. because the entire scheme depends on the pressure rate really you don't necessarily well, need to bring a quarterback down to be effective you got to have that pressure rate though well and you, you talked about um Harris and Jefferson. I mean, those are your three, four defensive ends, right? Um, they're, they're bigger guys. They're not, these aren't speed rushers that come off the edge. These are bigger guys that come up the middle, um, in three, four. And then you've got the four that you mentioned, um, that are coming off the edge, uh, as they're the outside linebackers in the three, four. So you've got, um, not just the speed rushers 
where they're four deep at, but you've got the two guys that can come and provide pressure more up the middle, which makes the speed rushers better because the quarterback can't just step up um, and, and get out, get away from it. They have, they have, um, they have to get rid of the ball because there's nowhere else to go. Um, and so that I thought was the key. I mean, yeah, you got to get the guys like Nuasu and, and um, Mafe and, and Taylor and all of them. But if you don't have any interior pressure, you, those guys just aren't as effective. They're not as, I mean, they're, they're productive in terms of pressure, but they're not going to get sacks. They're not going to um, be able to truly impact the plays because the quarterback can just step up away from them. Um, and so the other two, just they really make that front um, better. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major sports action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So Quentin Jefferson um, has produced at least 30 quarterback pressures in uh, four consecutive seasons and and has a career-high 50 quarterback pressures for the Las Vegas Raiders in 2021. This is a guy that still has it, you know, mm-hmm. and we need it. And <laughs> I think it's, it's coming in spades this year. I think it's, it's going to be a drastically different look for the Seahawks as far as pressure is concerned. I, the, this group has got an opportunity here. If, you know, the starters at quarterback cornerback can be ironed out. Um, I really do believe that this defense has an opportunity to be top 10. Just on paper, they they do. The question well, is, can it all come together in time before uh, to, we, to have a great season? Before we talk about that, I want to talk about my next storyline, which is the linebacker depth. And by that, I don't mean the pass rushing outside uh, linebackers. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no Bobby Wagner in the middle. So you've got Jordan Brooks and you've got uh, Nick Ballore. Uh, no, wait, no, he's the Cody Barton. Um, Cody Barton. Wow. Uh, got my B names confused, but Cody Barton. And then what? It's not yeah. like Barton has a history. And then you've got a special teams team. specialist that we brought over from Chicago, Joel Lay Abunaway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. And, and then you've got and, Ben Burkirvin, who's probably not even going to make the roster. Tanner Muse, who's kind of a tweener. He's only 220 pounds. They've got he's him at linebacker. John Radigan. Outside linebacker only. Yeah, John yeah. Radigan. Com- or coming Donker. off injury. Yeah. Um, uh, or Donker. I mean, those are the guys that that's all you've got behind um, Brooks and Barton. There's. Yeah. But do you need, do you need more than that with the, yes. with the line that we have and the pass rushers we have on the team? Do you need more than Barton and Brooks to really you be need- effective? 
you need depth because Barton has had injury issues all the time he's been in Seattle. He has gotten banged up and all of that. That's part of why he hasn't um, gotten in as a starter until now. Um, I think you've got to have at least a backup. You've got to have someone that you trust in the past, like last three years, it was Barton, right? He was the guy that could come in and give you that um, depth that you needed in, in just in case. And I don't think they've got that. Yeah, I don't um, either. I mean, that Joel Liabuini, um, I think he's only got like 10 or 12 defensive snaps in five years. And everything yeah, else has special, been on special teams. He's a special teams player. That's why I brought up um, Nick Ballore and, um because he's the special. He's a fullback slash linebacker, um, and he actually looks to be the third middle linebacker right now. I mean, Donker and, and Radigan have a chance to unseat mm-hmm. him fairly quickly, but he's. Well, and those are better guy. players. Let's be honest. Donker and Radigan are better players. I think they'd love to see Radigan come in and play. Um, now it's it's just we're talking about the you know the the 48th to 53rd guy on the roster here is basically what we're what we're talking about and so i mean we're talking about someone who's one step away from being a starter yeah i don't think we're talking about and i'm not trying to diminish it i'm just saying yeah i agree with you but i think that they probably are you know counting on this libua buenae um guy to be able to come in and, and kind of be that guy i mean he was essentially in that role for chicago he didn't get a lot of snaps because they didn't have injury but he was he was kind of their guy to, to do that um that was my number four um category uh is our linebacker room a strength or a weakness mm-hmm. i think it depends on what you take a look at, at what the linebackers are you know um because in this game our outside linebackers are the or the pass rushers here. The inside linebackers are really what we were talking about. Um, I wanted to, I, we talked about the pass rushers, but I wanted to drill down specifically on two players. What can we expect from Nuasu and Alton Robinson this year? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I mean, Nuasu, um, you look at his productivity in, as a charger and it wasn't really there. Um, Until the second half of last year. Yeah, he's a guy that has the athleticism and the skills and whatnot, but for some reason it didn't translate. And then all of a sudden, last like seven games, I think, of last year, he really came on and he looked went off and looked great. Um yeah. and so is that a you know a flash in the pan and or is that what we can expect from him? And I don't know. Um and as far as Alton Robinson, this is a guy that you look at a stat sheet and you don't see a lot of his name on there, but when he had a he, single sack and four quarterback hits on 400 defensive snaps last year. But when he was on the field, stuff happened like good things happened. He ended up not making the play, but he would get pressure and that would cause a thing or he'd cause the quarterback to move and allow Daryl Taylor to get home. Um, Is this there, truly a, a, a new role for him this year? It's doing the same thing. He, he's in the role he was in last year um, as an outside linebacker because they put him at uh, the strong side linebacker in last year's scheme. And so, what made do you think was everything. the difference? I mean, he had four sacks when he was a rookie. Everything pointed as an upward trajectory than he had last year. Really, wasn't well, as effective, at least because, according to statistically. 
because um his rookie year there wasn't a lot of um there wasn't a lot of depth so he got uh opportunities to be that situational pass rusher guy and he did it as a leo so his goal his entire role was to put his hand on the ground and then beat the offensive tackle around the corner so he could get to the quarterback he didn't have to do anything else. He didn't have to think about anything else. Last year, he was outside linebacker. They had him dropping into coverage. They had him reading running backs. They had him um, with a bunch more responsibilities. Um, and yeah, statistically, the numbers weren't there. But the defense was still better when he was on the field. Um, he does jump off the page, doesn't he? He really does. And it's, it's one of those things where um, I think if you look just at the stats, when Bruce Irvin was uh, in a similar role to what Alton Robinson was playing last year, right? He didn't have great stats, um, but he was a huge, made a huge impact on the defense and, and the, the the game plans in the game. Um, and uh, Robinson kind of got stuck in that same boat. It was a role that isn't featured and doesn't end up with a lot on the stat sheet, but is super important to making everything else work. And he kind of got put into that role uh, last year, and I thought he did pretty well at it. Uh, he's going to get an opportunity to stay in that role and continue yep. to, to uh, continue to grow. I want to see him also get the opportunity to put his hand on the ground and just go kill quarterbacks because his first step, his ability to get upfield before the offensive lineman even gets out of their stance is uncommon, right? The last player we had, Michael Bennett, who was similar in his first step, although Michael Bennett was more of an inside pass rusher, Whereas, um, you know, Robinson's on the outside, but that first step is elite and it's really hard to stop. I am interested to see what Boyamafe ends up doing, uh, with that. Cause I understand he's just got he's twitched up like crazy, but I understand in college he had a reputation for getting off the ball late. Uh, but nonetheless was twitchy. So if they can figure that out, mm-hmm. um, he's going to be special too. Um, did you have a another category? I had one more, and that's the leadership without Bobby Wagner. And mm-hmm. his on-field performance and everything for his entire career, and one of the greatest to ever put a helmet on. Um, but Bobby Wagner's impact on Seattle was more than that. It was more than just him being, what is a six-time All-Pro, seven-time All-Pro. Um, he was the leader in the locker room. Um, for a while it was, you know, it was Cam Chancellor and Bobby, then Cam got hurt and it became just Bobby. And Wagner was, you know, he was the guy that held other people accountable. He was the guy that kept people together. He talked people off ledges when they were pissed. He was the guy. And yeah, they can replace his some of his production because he He's been in that declining portion of his career where he's got a little older, but can you replace the other things that Bobby Wagner did? And they want Jordan Brooks to do that. They want Jamal Adams to do that. We will see because there's only one Bobby Wagner. Yeah, I'd say initially, no. Um, You can't replace that. Conversely, on the other side of the ball, you're missing Russell Wilson. So this team is void of some top end leadership mm-hmm. um, and it's time for transition. It just is. And the team's going to, you know, guys are going to have to step up 
you know, I think the team has had conversations with a few guys. I know DK Metcalf's, you know, name was mentioned specifically by Pete Carroll as a guy that uh, he expects to step into a leadership role. Um, I know that Jordan Brooks on the defensive side of the ball has been talked about in the same manner. And it's just a matter of style. You know, how do those guys operate? Are those guys vocal, more vocal now? Are they less vocal, but better production on the on the field or whatever it is? Um, I know DK Metcalf has had a, a little bit of a rub against him as far as the maturity level, kind of allowing players to be effective against him mentally in, in games. We'll see if that changes a little bit this year, just based on mm-hmm. that new expectation. Um, the only other one I had is, um, do we have the personnel to stop the run? I know that Pete Carroll is one of his tenants on defense is stopping the run, limiting explosive plays, et cetera. But stopping the run is definitely a pillar. Um, and last year we were third in the NFL in um, yards allowed per carry. And I'm just wondering, and that was essentially with Puna Ford and, and Al Woods, Brian Monet coming in uh, periodically to do that as well. Um, they re-signed uh, Monet to an extension. They've got Puna Ford and Al Woods. Al Woods came back on a two-year deal. They added Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson. Um, Shelby Harris is actually a pretty decent run defender. I think he's uh, got a 76 or 78 grade in pro football focus defending the run. Um, Quentin Jefferson's not known for that, but they're not asking him to do that, essentially. Um, what is your thought on stopping the run and how important it is to this defense? Well, I think... Um as you said, they've, they've got kind of the big bodies, which is the first thing you have to do. Um, if you want to stop the run, the first, your first job is to have the big bodies that are good at it in the middle. Um, don't create, don't let them have holes. Keep the, keep your linebackers clean. The second thing you've got to do is you got to have your, you got to have your edge setters. You got to, where the running back does not get outside of them and you force them back, um, into the middle where help is. Um, and that's the part that I want to see before I'm say that they have the guys to do it because it's a harder job than it sounds. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think maybe LJ Collier makes the team. I know we did a roster evaluation show a few weeks back and, and LJ Collier was one of your last cuts mm-hmm. and, um, he was one of my last saves per se. Um, uh, and I did it specifically for that is just being the backup to, Shelby Harris essentially yeah. um, in in stopping the run. Well, but the, again, that's that's the interior guy. Um, in a three four, the guys yeah. that set the yeah. edge are your outside linebacker. These are your pass rushers. Can Boye Mafe set an edge and and do that job in that role? Um, He's two hundred and sixty two pounds. He's got a shot. He has the the ability to. We know Daryl Taylor has the ability to. Although he made a few mistakes last year and let some plays get outside of him, um, but it's more of what is their technique? How are they at reading angles? Can they get up on a block and um, m- manipulate what's going on so that the wrong backs reads are always to cut in rather than out? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some just nuance to that. And we've got a lot of really young players that are learning it. They have the ability at 260 pounds. Um, Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, those guys can, they have the ability to do it, but are there, is their game refined enough to, um, and so that's the second part of stopping the run. And then the third part is just having your interior linebackers, um, get upfield and make the tackle. You've kept them clean. 
You force the running back into them, and those guys got to come up and, and make the tackle. What is and, your impression about Cody Barton? Is Cody Barton strong enough to play middle linebacker in the NFL? To play a true middle linebacker in a, in a three four or sorry in a four three borderline as a guy in a three four where there's two interior linebackers and he's got a tackling machine like Brooks beside him, I actually think he does. His speed, his coverage ability, um, make him an asset, and he's just gonna get up and make plays. The one thing he can't do is be in position to make the tackle after one yard gain and miss mm. and have it turn into a six or seven yard game by the time yeah. Brooks can, can cover for him. Yeah. Cause He's, I, you know, I look at Cody Barton as more of an arm tackler as opposed to a forum tackler. You know, I, mm-hmm. it, it seems like Cody's chasing a lot and um, running down things and he's sideline to sideline. I think he's got that sort of speed and so forth. He does. But as far as, as getting in front of somebody and just, overpowering somebody he's not that player he just isn't Mm-mm. but it'll, it'll be interesting that combo you know he's definitely yeah. going to get that shot i don't see anybody else other than cody barton having that second uh starting spot in inside mm-hmm. um there's just nobody else on the roster i just can't see it now i mean things could change but yeah i mean you you've got donker and radigan are the backups and and um the guy whose name i can't pronounce and nick Ballore. <laughs> Right. Um, and, you know, those last two are special teams players who are list, you know, going to be on the roster as a linebacker in name only. Um, who's the other guy that can that can do that, that can really get sideline to sideline and make those plays? Uh, Belor's got to be able, he's got to step up and do it. Um, he can get in, he's got the athleticism to get himself in position, but he's got him actually make the tackle. And that's been one of the rubs against him is mm-hmm. missed tackles. Um, now he, as you were saying, he's great in a chase position. If it's an outside running play and he, you know, he's coming from the inside, he can run down any running back and, and get them down. But when they're running backs running right at him, those are that's when he, when he makes those mistakes and, yes. and doesn't make the tackle. And that can be a problem. Yeah. I mean, you don't often see, um, Cody Barton drive a player backwards. Yeah, that's You're, not. He, he's is. more of a tackle and hold and and pull down. And, mm-hmm. and you know, any running back with any momentum is getting an extra three yards on that contact. That's just my opinion. I think that's why they've. He hasn't. You mentioned injuries, but I think one of the one of the other issues is the fact that he's just not as stout as as other linebackers. I mean, I think he's going to be playing outside of his normal position. A little bit in this defense. I think that's actually is his best position. You think? Yeah. Okay. Because he he would have been fine in a, in the in the four three in Bobby Wagner's spot, not Bobby Wagner, um, KJ Wright spot, the weak side linebacker, because there's a lot of coverage and there's a lot of like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, involved in that position as the true interior, where he has to replace Bobby Wagner and get upfield and make those tackles at the line of scrimmage. Um, he wasn't going to be as good at that. No. Um, now he's, there's two of them in the middle. And so um, he's got help. He's got coverage. He's got the ability to, uh, if he comes up, as long as he can affect the play, get Sque- the running back. All he needs to do is squeeze. If, yeah. If he can get the running back, yeah. if he can get the running back to stop their feet 
and cut, he's going to cut right in, into Jordan Brooks, who's going to eat his lunch. <laughs> right. And um, and so I, I think it's actually probably the best situation for Cody Barton. Um, and we'll see. Yeah. And I think that's why the team is comfortable with where they're at. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Any Anything else? No, you got all mine. Um, the new scheme, life without Bobby, um, Jamal Adams usage, the cornerback uh, battle, yeah. and the depth at the in the interior linebacker. Yeah. So those were my five. Yeah, I'm 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 done. I just you know mine was pass rush. What can we expect from certain players? The coaching staff, um, Jamal Adams, and the cornerback room. So yeah, I think we're covered. You know. Um, Practice starts tomorrow. I don't. I'm not expecting any big news or anything like that. We might see a signing. Maybe it's DK Metcalf. Um, I know that there's two rookies. I think Cole, um, Bryant and Walker still need to sign their contracts. I would imagine that happens at any moment. Um, yeah, fun. It's going to be fun. Next time we uh, we show up, we're going to be talking about uh, what we've seen so far in practice. That's that's great. Now we get a chance to talk about what we're I know actually we're actually seeing. Watching. Are actually watching football on a field and talking about it. It's been a long time. This is what happens when the CX don't make the playoffs and don't make a run in the playoffs. It just the off season just gets longer. Yeah. So yeah, I know we and based on our early predictions, we're probably looking at the same thing next year. <sighs> I know. Hang in there, man. Hang in there. Jimmy Garoppolo to the rescue. <laughs> I don't know if we can say that, but. Um... <laughs> better than what we have yeah it yeah yeah so all right let's get out of here <laughs> find keith on twitter at myers nfl you can find me at nwc hawk you know where the show's at uh on all your favorite podcast platforms and youtube subscribe and share until next time go hawks go hawks Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners thanks for joining us for another edition of the show you can find us on twitter bill is at nwc hawk Keith is at Myers NFL, and the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.